Good morning. Welcome to Discovery's Digital Gathering. We are glad you're here. We are excited for what God has in store this morning. We want to invite you to download our app, which will help you stay current with our community and get further connected by filling out our new visitor card. Let's prepare our hearts for worship and for the adventure of discovering the good news of Jesus together. Hey, good morning again, Discovery. Uh, my name is Jeff. I am a member of the teaching team here at Discovery, and I also help um, lead one of the mid-sized communities um, in our community. Um, hey, we're gonna hop into a conversation about Sabbath this morning, but before we begin, I want us to do something just a little bit different. It might be a little bit awkward for you at home, especially, um, but I want us to just experience this together. So um, we're gonna hold just a, a minute of silence. There's gonna be no music, no, um, prayer, no prayer, no um, announcements, but just a minute of silence. Um, pray individually if you would like, or, or just use that moment to breathe. Uh, but I'll bring us back together after a minute. Um, so we'll, after a minute, I'll pray and uh, we'll reflect on that experience together. So are you ready? Okay, our, our minute starts now. Father, we thank you for um, just this time to, to gather this morning to reflect on what you have for us in this message of Sabbath, Father. Um, I pray that as we, we come to you this morning, just put off any distractions that, that may be bearing, uh, weighing heavy on us from this previous week, Father, and let us just spend this time with you, um, deepen our relationship with you, Father, um, and see your heart in the practice of Sabbath. Um, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So how was that experience for you? Was it a little bit awkward? Did it seem like forever? Um, I'm willing to bet that that experience maybe was, was different for, for each of us. Maybe, maybe for some of us after 30 or 45 seconds, we became a little bit restless in our, our seats. Maybe we started tapping our foot or um, we noticed an itch on our face and then we um, were itching it. Um, I know for me, um, I would start playing with my ring usually whenever I get a little bit anxious or when there's too much um, just stillness going on. Um, and I even gave you a warning that this was going to happen, right? I, like, I introduced this idea. So imagine if I had just come on and just was silent for a minute. Uh, I think you guys would probably be pretty worried about me. Like, was I, was I being uh, trying to compose myself? Um, it would have been pretty uncomfortable for all of us. So hold that feeling of just sort of uncomfortableness or un unnaturalness. 
Um, when I was when I was growing up, there was also this TV show on um, for about three years that my family always watched called Minute to Win It. And in this uh, game show, these contestants had thirty uh, had a minute to compete just a trivial task. Like for example, they would put an Oreo on their forehead, and you had thirty uh, sixty seconds to get it down into your mouth without using your hands. Or there was a challenge where you had to stack eight donuts on top of each other um, without well, allowing them to fall. So they were, they were simple tasks and a lot of these tasks could be done if you were just given um, a normal amount of time. Not, you weren't timed, there was no, no deadline. But as that 60 seconds approached its end, maybe your heart rate started racing a little bit as you watched these contestants. And if they, they failed at these challenges, you'd see the discouragement in the contestants' faces and just pleading for just 10 more seconds. I could, I could complete this task if I just had 10 more seconds. So compare that experience of, of trying to uh, rushedly complete a task in 60 seconds to the experience that we just had where we held stillness for 60 seconds. Maybe for some of us, that experience of stillness was more uncomfortable, was more unnatural than uh, a 60 seconds where we're really rushed to complete a task. And, and maybe for some of us as well, our weeks, Monday through Friday, look much more like a game of minute to win it than it does um, 60 seconds of stillness. And, and my, myself is included in that. When I, when I look ahead at my week, sometimes I see the 80 things that I need to accomplish. Maybe there's seven or eight meetings spread out throughout the week. And maybe between all of that, there's errands that need to be run, dogs that need to be walked, meals to be prepared. And so if you're like me, sitting down and actually being idle for some time, um, you maybe start to think about all of those other things that you need to do. Maybe you get distracted very easily. Um, and when you do sit, time, sit down to practice Sabbath, um, you become restless in your seat, sort of like we did in those 60 seconds. Um, and then when by, by that time, Monday rolls around and um, the cycle starts all over again. Now, if you've been at Discovery for a couple of years now, you'll know that this is the third conversation that we're having around Sabbath. You know, the first conversation, at least for me and, and maybe for a lot of us, was um, this transition of mindset from Sabbath being this law that was given in the Old Testament to Sabbath being a gift that we still can practice today, right? Uh, in year two of this conversation of Sabbath, we um, talked about the weirdness of the moment that we were in. We were in this time of the, the pandemic where you didn't really know if it was Tuesday or whether it was Saturday. Time just seemed to pass and there was no distinction between um, the days. And so we wrestled with our time and Sabbath. And now as we have this third conversation in the third year, um, I think the moment that we are at right now is most of us are, are exhausted. We're, we're burnt out. Maybe we've all grieved the loss of something in the, in the last year. Um, we find ourselves just fatigued. Steve used the analogy a few weeks ago, and I'll, I'll say it again here to this morning, is that it's like we were, were training for a marathon, and then we took an entire year off. And then starting in the fall of this year, when, when schools open back up again, maybe our workplaces open back up again, we began training at that same pace um, and expected to, to receive the same results as we did before the, the pandemic began, right? And so it's not really that surprising that we are exhausted. And I would argue at this point, at this time in February of 2022, we need this practice of Sabbath more now than ever. 
It's Sabbath that our souls ache for. And as we hop into this conversation about Sabbath, we're going to jump around to a few different pieces of Scripture. Um, The first passage that we're going to look at this morning is from Isaiah 56. Now, at a high level, um, Isaiah is split into three different sections. The the first 39 verses, Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel um, in his time um, and place in the 8th century. Uh, the next, next 40 through 55 are, verse, are spoken to the Jewish exiles living in Babylon. And then as we pick up this morning in 56 through the end of Isaiah, um, this speaks directly to the returned exiles um, as they begin their new life, this new generation um, where they're establishing their own practices, their own routines in uh, this new land. So starting in verse 1, it reads, This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, who keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me, who hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them, besides those already gathered. So remember, these are, are the first words that Isaiah chooses to speak to this new nation, this new generation of people that return um, from exile. So why are these the words that he chooses to communicate? Why is Sabbath so central to this message? Well, Sabbath for 8th century Israel and for us today is a way to define or maybe redefine our identity. As an example, the first thing that I notice in these passages here is that this invitation is not offered exclusively to a subset of people, but it's offered to Israelites, it's offered to foreigners, and it's offered to eunuchs Um, all the same. And in that time, and and to some degree today, a person's identity was so much tied into their nationality or their ethnicity um, or their social class that they belonged to. And it was very common for individuals to be excluded because of these identifying marks. Deuteronomy 23, for example, excludes eunuchs specifically from entering um, a temple for worship. But these verses here in Isaiah 56 flip that on its head and says, Through Sabbath, there is a different way forward, that for this nation, as they establish their routines and their practices on their own, there is a new way forward, which can include Israelites, foreigners, and eunuchs all the same. They're included equally to be identified in the kingdom of God and an equal inheritance of the kingdom of God. And for us today, I think a narrative that we often hear, whether it's explicit or whether it's subtle, is that we are defined by what we do or what we put our time into. 
If we want to be identified as a hard worker at our jobs, maybe we invest a few extra hours overtime uh, to impress our boss. If we want to be identified as a sports fan of a specific team, we invest time into watching that team or to reading the latest news on, on their players. Or maybe it's a hobby or it's a skill or even a relationship with a friend. Now, none of these things are bad and many of them are good pursuits in themselves, but there are an abundance of things that can continually ask for our time if we let them. And the practice of Sabbath is saying no, is saying no to solely being defined by those other things and to solely engaging our time in those other things. And instead, investing practical time, reorganizing our life, reorganizing our hearts and our behavior around where our everlasting hope and lie, where our true identity lies. So think about the relationships that you have with your friends, your, your spouses, maybe colleagues at work or your family. Um, these, these relationships, they require nurturing, they require attention and time, conversations. So we don't engage in this practice of Sabbath out of obligation, or we're not invited to engage out of obligation, but we're invited to engage out of a spirit of deepening relationship. So the first message for us this morning is that this practice of Sabbath is, is central to our identity as we set apart time to reorganize our lives and our hearts, just as God invites the Israelites to do in Isaiah 56. Now, the second passage I want us to look at this morning is Hebrews 4. And so I'm just going to read verses 8 through 10 and then skip to 14 through 16. But starting in verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not spoken about a later day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Then picking up in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith, faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but yet have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and grace to find help in our time of need. So there are some really rich verses here in Hebrews 4, and a lot of truth in this chapter that we could be a whole message in itself. But I want to just focus on this theme of perseverance that we see throughout these verses in, in Hebrews 4. It starts off saying, For if Joshua had given them rest. And this is reference to Israel's exodus, of the promised land for 40 years. And after 40 years of wandering in the desert, Joshua leads them back into the promised land. Just imagine the relief and, and joy that it would have been for this generation of people to just finally be able to lay down their baggage and be in one place for a little while. Yet Hebrews tells us that this was not the final rest that God promised them. This was not the Sabbath rest that God has in mind for his people. And there remains an even greater rest for his people, for us, for you and I today. I think sometimes uh, we as Christians have this sort of obsession with this concept of, of strength. Now, I'm not going to ask you or, or um, be taking names about this, but how many of us have ever had Philippians 4.13 either posted on a sticky note on our mirror? Maybe, maybe it's on our Instagram handles now, um, or maybe it's on a coffee mug, you know? Um, I'm certainly in that crowd, um, and there's nothing wrong with this in particular, but um, what we miss by only focusing on the strength that 
um, God gives us is that we also acknowledge that God does not love us only for our strength. In fact, he sees us in our weakness, right? He knows our weakness and he loves us and helps us in our weakness to be restored. And I say that this morning in this conversation about Sabbath and dive deeper into Hebrews 4 because I think many of us are more keenly aware of that reality of our weakness. We're exhausted, we're we're beaten up, we're we're thrown around by the burdens of our day-to-day lives. And maybe we, we acknowledge and we, we know what our limits are and we've reached our limits. But we're given this good gift of Sabbath as a break from the ordinary and ultimately to sustain us and to per- persevere. It's an opportunity for us to lay down the burdens that were behind us and regain the strength to endure and enter everlasting joy and have everlasting rest. Isn't that a great concept? Everlasting rest. Now, typically at this point in the message, we sort of transition to a moment of more practicality, like some tips and tricks, if you will, of of implementing these practices. But I have to be honest with you, um, this is not a practice that I have excelled at particularly, especially recently. Um, So good thing I saved this this nugget of information for the the end, right? Um, As I reflect back, I always remember... um, on our previous messages on Sabbath thinking, yes, um, this is something I know that I need. And I would try some things for a few weeks, but then an assignment would come up over the weekend. Maybe um, some errands I would realize that I needed to to run would would come to mind. And hey, maybe even an event for Discovery popped up and and I knew that there was some time that I had to devote to Discovery and, and instead led me to abandon my regular practice of Sabbath. So to be honest, I think I... I don't have a lot of of practical advice in in this message. I don't have a lot of wisdom from my own experience. And there's probably some resources on the app or on our webpage that you can go and go and find if you want some more practical advice about Sabbath. But what I can say from, from these experiences of mine is that it is so important for us to have grace for ourselves in the practice of Sabbath or in any of these practices, to be honest. We literally saw earlier from our our passage in Isaiah 56 that Sabbath is a way of saying, hey, we're not defined by what we do, right? So Sabbath is not not like dieting. If uh, if we cheat or if we we give in um, for whatever reason, those pounds aren't going to catch up with us. As an example of this, take Matthew 12. Um, The Pharisees are following Jesus around, just waiting for him to slip up. He enters the synagogue and picking up in verse 10, it says, And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so so that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is this man as a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the other man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him, how they might destroy him. So Jesus is showing us here that Sabbath is not about strictness or regime or about abstaining from something because we're told to, but it's about healing. It's about restoration. So yes, it is healthy for us to engage in the practice of Sabbath, and there is good to be found in it. 
But it's also unhealthy for us to think like the Pharisees here and just go around accusing maybe ourselves or feeling guilty about ourselves not adhering to these practices with strictness. So after all, in, in my own experience, it's duty and obligation that are some of the leading causes of my burnout and my exhaustion in the first place. And as a final piece of practical advice, let's look to Genesis. So the creator of the heavens and the earth paused from his work and enjoyed it. It says at the end of Genesis 1, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was so good that he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Now, we know that for God that this was not a physical rest. This was not a rest for the soreness of his muscles or a rest that had all of these guidelines around it. Instead, it was simply rest of enjoyment and delight in creation. So for us today, that's a good sign that we should be enjoying this practice of Sabbath. It should be something that we look forward to. If we're not enjoying this practice or we're doing it out of obligation, maybe it's a sign that we need to, to switch it up and try something new that we do enjoy. And that being said, this practice of Sabbath may look differently for each of us. As we wrap up this morning, I want to end with a quote from my favorite non-Spider-Man movie that I've watched this last year. Uh, and this movie is called The Sound of Metal. The Sound of Metal um, follows a story of a character named Ruben, who is a drummer in a heavy metal band. And he struggles with um, losing his hearing and, and assimilating to this new life of um, being a, a deaf man. So along the way, Ruben develops a sort of mentorship with an older deaf man named Joe. And as Ruben struggles with this internal battle of wanting his former life back, and, and um, accepting his current reality. This is what his mentor, Joe, says to him. The world does keep moving, Ruben, and it can be a cruel place. But for me, those moments of stillness, that place, that's the kingdom of God. And that place will never abandon you. So where is that place for you, friends? Where do you most clearly witness the kingdom of God? Where do you find that stillness? And how can it be incorporated into our practice of Sabbath? We reach this point every week in our gathering um, where we, we partake in this practice called communion together. Uh, one of the reasons that we do this each week is a reminder that we are invited to commune with the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe, God, desires to commune with us. So it says in um, 1 Corinthians, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So friends, commune with God and take and eat whenever you're ready. Friends, thank you again for joining us for our digital gathering. As we go about our weeks and as we try to engage in this practice of Sabbath, let's go out with these words from Psalm 73. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of your deeds. Grace and peace, Discovery.